Here we go. Hello and welcome. I am Kim Keen, host of the One of a Kind You podcast. I started this podcast to share my journey of my past self, a woman who was struggling with leaving her teaching career and adjusting to stay-at-home mom life to help other women with their motherhood journeys or their work-life balance journeys so they can let go, make themselves a priority without all the sacrificing. So if you are a new listener to One of a Kind You, welcome. I am so excited you decided to take a chance and listen. If you're a regular listener, I am so excited you came back for another episode. The way that this podcast usually works is that I share a journal entry of mine from about five or six years ago, and then I reflect on what I know now as a certified life coach and what I wish I had known then. But today we are in for a special treat because we have a guest with us, and her name is Sherry, and I just asked her how to spell her la- or say her last name, and already I'm going to mess it up, so I'll let her say it. <laughs> Sherry Gazit. Sherry Gazit, perfect. She says she doesn't like it when someone says Gazit, and I felt like I was going to say that because my brain was so focused on not saying that. <laughs> so Sherry and I met through a connection um, from a local, well, a national networking group, I guess international, really, because polka dots are all over the world now. And um, she is the founder of Teen Wise, and um, Sherry is passionate and dedicated to helping teens and parents through the difficult ups and downs of adolescence. She advocates for teen mental wellness by advising foundations, appearing on TV and radio shows, and writing for magazines. She also provides private coaching for teens and their parents who need help finding their inner joy, taming stress, and claiming their confidence and navigating friendships. Her latest program is the Mom Wise Club, which is a supportive group for moms of middle and high school girls. And I just have to say that group is so needed from a parent of a middle school girl. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> the middle school yes. girl years, it's like, uh, I don't think I'm ready. <laughs> right. Well, it's funny because people were asking me for that group, but I was in the throes of it and I just couldn't make it happen. I think it was too raw for me at that moment. So now my kids are 18, 21 and 23. I'm like, okay, now I can bring this to the moms. Yes. Because you're like, I can breathe now. I'm in a whole different stage of parenting. So been there, done that. And now you're breathing, maybe not easy because you're in a different stage in college, which is probably a whole nother can of worms. It is. It is. Yeah. Yes. Middle school is the most tumultuous, the most transformational, um, you know, change for our kids. If we're thinking between baby to 25, there's just so many things that go on at that age. Yeah. So my daughter, thankfully is very transparent and has always been a talker. So she gives us the minute by minute play of the school day when she gets into the car to the point where I'm like, wait, what did you say? Cause my brain can't take it all. And so we know who's dating who. And she's like, we're only in sixth grade. We're 11 years old. Why do we need boyfriends or girlfriends already? Shouldn't we just be focused on after school activities (laughs) and doing our homework? I'm like, yes, we should. So keep thinking that until you're about 40 and then you can start having a boyfriend. (laughs) So, um, but it's just, you know, navigating transitioning because, you know, when they're in elementary school, they're not babies, but the expectation is different of what they're expected to do for classwork, homework, projects. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she sees kids at school who aren't putting forth a lot of effort and then being told, you know, you're doing this again during detention. And she's like, I would be so embarrassed if someone, if the teacher called me up, but she said that she felt bad for the boy because he looked like he was going to cry. Yeah. And so there's, still some of, I'll say like the younger year problems, 
but it just looks a little bit different um, in the middle school years. Yeah. And it changes so quickly, like for us as parents, but also for them, they've got one foot in the, let's call it baby stages, you know, even the elementary isn't baby and then young adulthood. And it's such a weird balance for us as parents, like how do we treat them? But then for them and how they relate to the world around them, am I a kid or am I an adult? There's this weird transition period. Yes. And not just, I mean, physically, mentally, emotionally, Mm -hmm. the whole gamut, everything. everything. So, um, yeah, so it's, and we were at a, a birthday party a couple of weeks ago and, you know, the moms and I were chatting about, you know, how's middle school going? And our girls have been at school together since preschool or kindergarten. And um, one of the moms said, did you know that some of the kids are saying that they're bisexual at school? And I was like, okay, whoo, yeah. not ready for that conversation, but you know, and I know, and that, yes, at that at 11 years old, they, they know, or they have mm. an inkling. And so even just having those conversations, it's, very different from the conversations that you have when they're in the lower grades, like first, second, third grade, then it's like, so-and-so wasn't a nice friend to me. (laughs) Well, you know, that just speaking about the, you know, I'm bisexual or whatever, you know, label they're choosing is happening younger and younger. And it's not necessarily like this. I know it's, there's a pressure to label themselves. So that in and of itself is confusing because a lot of sixth graders aren't even sexually um, interested in anybody at that point. So to have to label yourself, it's a real pressure. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, I'm fitting into that social, Mm -hmm. like, are you in this group? Are you in this group? And where do you fit in? And what does that look like? What does that sound like? What does it feel like? Um, And then, you know, making sure that what you're saying is, um, not being made fun of, or you're not being rejected. And there, so then there's the vulnerability piece and it's so complex. Um, and, and like you said, it starts younger and younger because with younger kids having access to social media mm-hmm. and yeah. the shows that are available for them to watch on television, there's so many other outside influences that can, um, give them ideas or perspectives to evaluate and assess, um, for them to, acclimate and take into their own selves. Yeah. 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 As parents, we just have to you know, be on the journey with them. I, so many parents reach out and they're like, okay, my kid's using these labels. Now, what do I do? It's like, just go with it. Ask questions. You don't have to be the expert. They're going to know way more in this arena than you do, even if you research it, because it changes all the time. So just ask them questions openly without judgment and just be there as a mom. Don't beat yourself up that you don't know all of the answers and um, just enjoy the journey of it and learn from your kids really. Yeah. And it's so um, asking questions is so important. I always think of um, there were several years ago, I was at a sexual health seminar about how do you talk to your kids about sex? And um, the presenter, she was so great. She said, just the first question that you ask is, well, what does that mean to you? Or or what do you think about that? And she gave an example of her own daughter, who I think at the time was 13 and was reading this book. And I don't remember the exact word, but it was a word that could have a sexual meaning or a non-sexual meaning. And mm-hmm. she said to the mom, what does this mean? And I think it might've been the word come. And so the mom was like, huh? 
you know, like that <laughs> instant sucker punch, like, oh my God, how do I explain this? What do I say? Do I have to give her all the information or do I just give her a little bit of it? And she said in that moment, as soon as the daughter said the word, her brain went into this crazy overdrive mode of trying to figure out exactly how to say it and what to say and figure out how much the, the girl knew. And so she was like, wait, hold on. You know what to do. And she had to talk herself off the ledge. And then she said to the daughter, well, what does that, what do you think you know about that word? And she said, thank goodness she asked the daughter the question because it had nothing. It was not a sexual question the daughter was trying to figure out. It was just in the context of the book, which was the person was riding a horse or something. And so <laughs> she was like, whoo, dodge that bullet. Thank goodness I asked. What do you know about that first to get, you know, because that way you can gauge what their knowledge base is and then tailor your other questions or what you share with them based on their baseline knowledge. Yeah. I mean, as parents, we make assumptions about a lot of stuff, right? And sometimes if we just stop and get curious and ask the questions, it's like, oh, this is a whole different way that this conversation is going than I thought it would. Yes. And, and she was relieved by far because she said she really was not ready to tackle that conversation in that moment. So today turned out (laughs) to be an easy day. (laughs) Yes. So, but I think, you know, that kind of goes along with when we, our kids ask a question or they're using a label or they're having an experience at school, you know, sometimes as a mom, it's like, oh my gosh, I want to fix it because I don't want my child to feel pain. I don't want them to feel rejection. I don't want them to get a bad grade or, you know, have a friendship problem. I don't want any of those things to happen for my kid because as parents, we want to, you know, protect our kids and keep them safe. So um, when that feeling like, oh my gosh, I need to fix it. Um, you know, why, why do we do that? And, and if we do that as moms, what can we do to not do that? Right. So this fix it thing is something that comes up almost every single call on the mom wise club, because we just have this, this I'm calling to like, Hey, let's fix everything. So that our kids don't feel pain. They don't go through the things that we went through as kids, but you know, that's part of the journey. We can't take all of the obstacles out of our kids' lives. And if we can kind of release that from our parenting um, responsibilities, then it opens up a whole new parenting world. We don't have to fix it. We can just be there for our kids to help them to master new skills, to master their emotions, to figure out what to do with all of this uncomfortable stuff that's going on. You know, if your child comes home from school and they, you know, start downloading about something that happened with their friends, are you able to listen to them and not fix it? Because really, 90% of the time, that's what they want. They don't want you to come in and say, well, you should have done this or tomorrow you need to do this or you need to call so-and-so or text so-and-so. They just want to download what happened and to have a sounding board. And that I think if we can understand that's what our kids really need most of the time, then we can stop this idea of we need to fix it. Yes, yes. Um, I was just chatting with... um another polka dot this morning who lives in the UK and her son is 16 and their school um, labels are different. So she was like, oh, he's in the sixth degree. And so I was like, oh, that means he's in sixth grade. So I was thinking that her son was the same age as my daughter, but no. Um, (laughs) But she, the son is, you know, they at 16, you're two years away from graduation. They want you to be doing a lot of work independently. And she said, but that's on him. I'm not going to 
be there and fix it for him, you know? And he was like, well, how do you know my work's not done? And she's like, cause the teacher's emailing me to tell me that your work isn't done. And he was like, oh, so she said, but that's on him to figure that out, to manage his time. And I just thought, oh yes, that's right. That is on him. And if he's yeah. piled up at the end of the day, then he's got to figure out how to get that piled down to a more manageable um, chunk of space and not to go behind and fix and say, okay, well, this is what we're going to do since you're behind on your work. So I really was like in admiration of her for saying it's on him because in two yeah. years, he's off to college on his own anyway. Because me now as a middle school parent, I'm like, okay, let's sit down and make a schedule and get some time management in order so that we can get ourselves back on track. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so like, there's this whole new world in academics now, like when I was growing up, my parents didn't know my grades until either the six week reports where they sent out a report if you're failing or at the end of the semester, the report card. Right. Yeah. But now we have every day, some parents will check the grades. And yes. so we have become immersed in our kids' academic experience and it's not meant to be that way. And yeah. from the parents' side, they've also, they've, you know, they do get this pressure to tell the parents more. So then when the teacher emails and says, Hey, this assignment is missing, or, you know, he's failing this, we as parents feel like, okay, now the, the teachers reached out to me. Now it is my responsibility to follow through and make sure my kid does something about this. And it's not really, I mean, you can ask them about it. Hey, you know, your teacher contacted me, what's going on with this, but it's not your responsibility to step in and make sure it gets done. There, there will be natural consequences if they don't get their things done. And, yes. you know, that's their life to live. Yes. And I think too, if for me, when my girls were little in preschool, we had these family projects every month. And I, you know, would micromanage Lily and she would resist me so badly on these family projects. And I was like, we have to, it has to look nice because it's going on the hall in the wall on the hallway. And so then of course, like I would get there and some of these projects, I was like, whoa, that parent didn't help that kid at all. Uh -huh. And I was like, but look how nice Lily's is. And so some of the fixing was that I didn't want someone to perceive me as an irresponsible parent or a bad parent. So mm -hmm. I that's also, I think part of the struggle is that we are as parents, you know, we're given, I'll say more pressure responsibility to make sure that our kids are walking the line and doing yes. what they're supposed to do. Um, and taking that, you know, Oh, it's your fault. The kid's work isn't done. Actually it's the kid's fault. Right. You told them what needed to be done and they made a choice not to do it. But then we sometimes take that on as parents, like, Oh my gosh. But then it's also, you know, where it's like, I don't want the teacher to think I'm an irresponsible parent. I don't want mm. them to think that I don't help my kids at school. So there are so many different components kind of thrown in. And then it's like the fixing thing just explodes because right. it's like, ah, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a word that I think describes some of this, the piece of this uh, whole idea of what our kid does or shows is a reflection of us. It's called child contingent self-esteem. Mm -hmm. And that's when we, especially as moms, and stay-at-home moms, how our kid achieves and represents himself in the world is a reflection of our own self-worth. Yes. And that's not necessarily true, but that's kind of something that's come up in the last, I would say probably 10, 15 years, especially 
with social yes. media where it's become something you can put on as a badge of honor on your Facebook feed or yes. Instagram. So, um, you know, there's some of that, like what you're talking about, putting the project up in the halls, you're like, oh my gosh, it just needs to look nice, right? Because everybody's yes. going to see it. Uh, so I think that is a piece of it. And then also there's just, there's a lot of pressure right now to just be a certain way in parenting. And this parent peer pressure comes from all over the place. Mm -hmm. One of the main culprits is college. And yeah. I hear parents always saying, I can't let my kid fail because then they won't have the top grades to get into the top colleges. Yeah. But there's so much more to life than college. And yeah. I would much rather my kid fail a class and, and not go to Stanford than me step in and do all their work and be like, oh, look at that. My kid's at Stanford, you know, yes. knowing that it's, it wasn't their journey. Yeah. So plus two, when they get to Stanford, they're going to struggle so badly mm -hmm. and it's not going to work. And they're going to fail out and then yes. end up at another college. So it's like, don't, then they have a bad image about themselves because yeah. they couldn't make the cut there. And I think it's so um, interesting that you bring up this subject because my brother, um, he's much younger than me. He aced his way through kindergarten to 12th grade, straight A student, never really had to try hard and went to a local university and basically ended up dropping out because he wanted to get into one program and you had to have at least a 2.75 GPA to get into the program. Well, he was barely pushing a 2.25 and mm -hmm. I helped him a little bit on with his work, you know, looking over his term papers and all that. And his writing was atrocious. And I'm thinking to myself, how did you ever get straight A's in school, especially in language arts and writing? Because yeah. this is atrocious. My third grader can write better than you. <laughs> And so he did, he made the very tough decision to withdraw from college because there wasn't any other career path that he was really interested in pursuing. He only wanted to do this one thing. And so now he drives for UPS and it's actually a much better fit for him. But my parents, my dad and my stepmom, I will say that they were involved parents, but they weren't, um, like a helicopter parent, yeah. but they were definitely there. Like, oh, come on, Ryan, you got to get this done. Come on, buddy. You got to do this. Come on. What's that look like? What's that look like? And it didn't work well. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, and he'll say to me, you know, sissy, he still calls me sissy and he's in his twenties, you know, sissy, you know, I kind of regret not doing a better job at college, but then at the same time, I wouldn't have, you know, the job that I have now and I would be capped at my starting salary for a UPS driver and there would never really be any advancement and I would be in an office all day doing the same thing over and over and over. So it's like, I know on the long term that's not good for me. He was like, but man, being a UPS driver is tough on your body, lifting the packages, yeah. being out in the weather, you know, working six days a week, very long hours. So it's given him an opportunity to do some self-reflection, but again, it shows that you can't um, really take the driver's seat for your kids and expect that they get to college. And, and that college is going to give them the career options that they're looking for, because there is so much more to college. You know, there are people who go to local community college who are vastly successful, more successful than people who go to four-year colleges that cost an arm and a leg to go to. So right. um, taking that pressure off of ourselves is immensely helpful because it allows us to be more present in the moment rather than being so fixated on the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I see so many teens that are living for the college dream. But when I ask them why they want to go to college or what that's all about, they don't really have an answer for that. 
because it's just such a message from everywhere you have to go to college and to go to college you have to get 4.0 plus you have to have a resume that looks like this and it's just um it's just not true i mean there's so many different ways to be successful in life other than going to the quote top colleges right Um, whatever that means really they need to go to the college that's right for them if they're going but there's just so many ways to be successful and i think that our definition of success for this upcoming generation is really skewed and they like to find success you've got to have joy along the way and that's what i'm seeing is missing with so many kids like they're driven to get the a's but there's no joy in it and it's really sad to see that yes and i think Um, that same thing, you know, redefining success for the upcoming generation, but also redefining success as a parent who is parenting this upcoming generation, because um, there is a lot of joy is missing from um, the parents to the pair, the joy of parenting their child through the stages to get them to college and beyond. I think sometimes the joy is missing for the parents too, because we feel like our kids never measure up when we look on social media and see yeah. other families, children, but then we also feel like we don't measure up because of what we see on social media. So it's this, um, I'll say double-edged sword that is always sharp on both sides. Yes. Yes. We don't have to be the Pinterest mom or the Instagram mom, you know, we can just be a real mom. And what do we want out of motherhood is what we have to stop and reflect about. It's not this list of shoulds that society is telling us. It's what we want for our family and for our kids. So do you want connection? Do you want happiness? Do you want joy? Do you want um, family outings? Is that more important to you than all of these other pressures and things that they're saying you need to do or you should do? Um, Where I see this come into play a lot is parents get together and how's your kid doing? The first thing they talk about is achievements, right? They're, you know, got this award or they're doing really well in this. And then um, they start talking about how they got there. So the parent who's kind of listening in the background is like, oh, I don't have extra coaching for my daughter who's on the softball team. I need to get on that. I don't have extra tutoring for that math class. I need to get on that. And so before you know it, the schedule is filled up, not with things that are bringing the daughter joy, but with things that's going to make her better and make her achieve more. So we have to kind of watch that pressure of, of, are we making all these choices to fill up the schedule of things that are just to make her better? Or are we allowing her to make some choices of what she's excited about? And even the coaching, like the extra coaching for softball, if it comes from a place where the daughter's like, Oh, I would love to learn how to, you know, hit a home run better, or I would love to learn how to slide better. Then that's different than us saying, I need you to be better. We're going to have this coach come in and work with you. Yes, because it, because then they never measure up for themselves. Mm-hmm. And there's that, then they're going into the next stage of development with this unrealistic ideal of what they should be like. And it's a whole yeah. other layer of added pressure. But then too, when we schedule our kids for all these extra things, then we're miserable because we have to drive them there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. then we're exhausted. And then we resent the fact that we're driving them all over Timbuktu mm-hmm. and back again when we're the right. ones who sign them up for it. All right. That's one thing. If there's a silver lining lining of the pandemic, that's one thing that a lot of families had to slow down when so many activities were canceled. And so they got to know each other a little bit better. Now, granted, the teens eventually were like, I'm going to stay in my room for eight hours a day because I need my space. 
But before that happened, you know, there was more family nights, there was less driving around. And it was just, it was great as a family unit to not have to be busy all the time. Yes. And so now I can say that we're transitioning back to, I'll say life before the pandemic was school in session and after school activities. I'm kind of like, man, it was nice being locked in my house all that time because my car doesn't have that many miles on it. I saved so much money in gas Mm -hmm. and we actually got to have that time to connect and, you know, slow down and enjoy each other. Um, where with, before the pandemic, it was, you know, go, 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 go. So, um, if you could give one, um, thing that people could do that the listeners of this episode can do today to help uh, mitigate that parent peer pressure, what do you think is the way for them to start? So I think it's good to reflect on it. First of all, where are the messages coming from and are they working for you? You know, you ultimately have control over the choices that you're making as a parent. And when we feel a lot of parents anxiety, it's because our values aren't aligning with our actions. And so if you do have that super busy schedule, you're not connecting with your kids, but they're achieving really, you know, high levels of achievement. Is that really what you want for your family? Are you able to kind of pull back on all the achievement-based stuff? And are you able to go more over to the connection piece, the happy family piece, Um, you know, where you're talking about things, you feel secure with each other, you know, your kids are going to come and talk to you. Like what is on that should list and what can you just get rid of and be like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not putting this pressure on myself or on my kids anymore. Yeah. I love that. I think that's such a great place to start because I, I did that when I realized like, oh my gosh, these family projects in pre-K four are really stressful. (laughs) Then I was like, okay, they don't need to be this stressful. It's a scarecrow for the fall. It doesn't need to be, it's not a Monet. It's not a Van Gogh. It's a scarecrow. When it comes home, we're either going to take a picture of it and save it on her Google drive of all of her little things that she's done in life, or it's going to go on the baby box. But that's it. It's not going out for any global Golden Globes, no Pulitzer Prize, no New York Times bestselling anything. So, and once I had that realization, I was like, here's your supplies. If you need me, I'll be right here. And they were happy, you know, she was happy to do them by herself and she was very proud of her creations. And then when Casey came along and I did the same family projects, I was like, huh, I learned with Lily. Casey, here are your supplies. If you need me, I'm right here. And that was like, so then I just was like, okay, this is good. I can do this. This is better. And there are still those moments where, you know, you slip into it and you, you fall back into that parent peer pressure, but just recognizing like what in this moment do I really value and what am I letting go of because it's not serving me or my family or my children is game changer. And that's such a good example there in the moment you were so in it, you couldn't see outside, right? Outside looking in, you're like, this is ridiculous. This, like you said, it's not a Van Gogh. Why am I so stressed? Why am I putting pressure on my daughter to do this? And so if you can step out of your life once in a while and reflect, then you can see all of these small things that it's like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I need to change this. Yes. Because those small things, there are so many of them and the weight of those small things adds up so quickly. And then before you know it, you feel like you need a luggage rack from the airport to carry all those things Yes, (laughs) because they're dragging you down. Mm Mm-hmm. So, um, so the other thing I wanted to chat about is the mom wise club. So tell us a little bit about that. 
So the Mom Wise Club, as I mentioned, came out of necessity because um, moms were asking me for support around raising their daughters. And moms raising daughters, there's a, a certain dynamic because we're not living vicariously necessarily, although some that happens for some people, but all of our emotional baggage comes up when our kids start going through some of the stuff we went through. So friendship mm-hmm. issues, um, boy issues, you know, uh, there's just so many things that were like, oh, I felt that and I'm going to protect my daughter from it. Or sometimes it's like, um, I went through that. It's not a big deal. So you don't really see that they're really struggling with something. But anyway, so this is why this came to fruition, because it's a time where moms start to feel really lonely in their parenting, because you can't just go freely talk about things your daughter's going through necessarily, because they are so personal, you owe it to your daughter to give her some privacy. So it's not like talking about nap time and diaper changes and playtime, you're talking about really serious stuff. And so the mom wise club is a place where moms can talk to each other with no judgment about their kids with, you know, having a safe space to talk about things, knowing it's not going to become gossip for the community. And, you know, not, it's not just like getting together with your group of mom friends, because I am there as a parent coach and as a mental health therapist to kind of bring some light into the situation, say, Hey, this is normal, but you still have to deal with it. And here's some ways you can do that. Yeah. And that's, I think that here's the ways that you can do that is so helpful because oftentimes we take to Google and then when we are in Google land, it can be a daunting to figure out, okay, what do I actually implement from all the things that I've Googled? Cause you're like, wait a second. I just lost a whole hour of my day on Google trying (laughs) to figure out what to do here. But then two, you're like, wait, is this the right thing? Who else has tried this? And what if this doesn't work, then what do I do? So it, it takes out the Google land. It takes out the rabbit hole it takes out all of those things and you just get straight to the source. But then also too, the great thing is that they can try the strategy and say, yeah, Sherry, that worked amazingly well. Thank you so much. Or, you know, this worked a little bit, but I think we need to tweak it. What would be yeah. your suggestion for that? And so there's always that um, support there, which is huge. Yeah. With there's not through. one size fits all in parenting. Every yeah. child is different. Every parent is different. So I see ads sometimes do this one thing and everything's solved. I'm like, uh, no, that is not reality. So right. No way. So I think that like the Google land, I always say, don't let Google be your parenting expert. Um, A lot of the articles come across as just do this. And if you don't, then you're a bad parent. Or if you try it, it doesn't work, then you're a bad parent. So it can leave you with just feeling overwhelmed and inadequate as a parent, which is not what you want. So, and I do in the mom wise club, give articles that I find to parents, but I'm the one that's looking through and finding the ones that really are backed by experience and by research versus just randomly Googling, you know, parenting stuff. Yes. And that's, that's great too, because that takes the Google land work out of it. Like you're doing the work for them. So they don't have to go to Google anymore. Exactly. And it's all there. It's easy. It's like one stop shopping, not one size fits all, but one stop shopping because you can be, (laughs) oh, go to aisle three. That's what you Yes, exactly. Aisle five, there's your aisle. And so that makes it so less stressful and overwhelming because things can already feel overwhelming. It is. So um, I am going to put your website um, in the show notes. So if they, if any listeners want to join Mom Wise Club or get more information from Mom Wise Club, They'll go there. Plus I have all of your social media handles, everything. So um, 
they will be able to get right in touch with you. Um, are you okay if someone reaches out in a DM on Instagram or Facebook? Absolutely. And they can email me too, however they want to get in touch with me. I truly am passionate about what I do. So I always welcome people reaching out. Awesome. I love it. Cause sometimes people feel like, oh, she doesn't have time or this is a dumb question. I don't want to bother her, but, um, there's no dumb question. And yeah. this is what you do. This is what brings you joy. So I love that you're willing to allow people to reach out directly to you. Absolutely. So thank you, Sherry, for being on the podcast today. It's been amazing. I feel like we could chat forever because um, you know me. I'm also passionate about helping middle school and high school girls and moms. Um, so it's always a joy chatting. Um, but that is our episode for today. Is there anything else that you wanted to add, Sherry, before we wrap it up? I just want to say thank you for having me. Um, I love talking about all things moms, teens. You know, it's it's a difficult journey, but it's a very rewarding one. We just got to stick in there, you know, hang in there and be there for each other and, and connect with other moms, other parents, and we'll get through this. Yes, we will. I love it. Um, so thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode. If you found this episode helpful, please feel free to share it with a friend because the more the merrier. And if you also like this episode, please feel free to leave a review. I read all the reviews. So I take that feedback to make this podcast the best that it can be and make sure that you're getting exactly what you want from taking the time to listen. So I will see you next week. And thanks so much for tuning in.